Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm L.A. Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and parents around the world. Hi, everybody. Ellie here. It is March 12th, 9.36 p.m. Happy birthday to my sister, Haley Stekiel. That's my husband, Adam. Hi, Hi. Haley. Haley's been making quite a presence on the podcast as of late. Last week, she got a big shout out when I did an in-person interview with Hillary Frank, who's the creator of the Longest Shortest Time podcast, because Haley told my daughter Sabrina to put toothpaste on her bee sting. Yes, and um, did it work? I, she still complained no, a ton. It did it not work. Right. She it still complains. Work. That was four weeks ago. Yeah. But I stepped on a bee last year, and it took a day. It was the same thing. It was like yeah. the first day seems fine, and then all of a sudden, it's like so itchy, itchy and crazy. central, yeah. Anyway, happy birthday, Haley. Happy birthday, Haley. Um, so in celebration of your birthday, we're going to share our most shared episode. Mm-hmm. It's also our biggest downer of an episode. Most important episode, though. But it is the most important episode that we could ever offer. Mm-hmm. And we have such a rock star guest. Patty Fitzgerald is the most, I don't she has like this information that will save lives. And she's also so entertaining. Yeah. She's like the foremost expert on child predators, or how, how would you describe Absolutely. her? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't I just read her bio? Do it up. By the way, it's not a downer of an episode. I want to be very clear. Patty Fitzgerald is hilarious. She's a riot. And as someone, as a dad, who's incredibly uncomfortable with this topic, because it is my worst fear, and I have two daughters, and all I want to do in life is protect them. And so this is very hard for me to talk about and hear people talk about. And yet somehow I sat there, this was a live episode. I was the sound guy for the episode. And it was, you know, one of the, one of the most important hours of my life because I felt, I felt so equipped uh, and I felt just in charge of the information for the first time in my life. It didn't just feel like some black hole of fear that I was staring down. I felt like, okay, this is still something to be vigilant and concerned about, but I have the tools now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she's very funny and very empowering. Yes. So as for Patty Fitzgerald's bio, she's been successfully teaching child predator safety awareness since 2001. She is the founder and creator of Safely Ever After Incorporated and provides effective, non-fearful safety workshops, seminars, and keynote speeches at schools, community organizations, churches, and corporations throughout the United States. She has trained many crime prevention education and children's advocacy groups with her specialized programs, curriculum, and educational materials. You can find more about Patty Fitzgerald at her website, and I want to say this website like 12 times. It's safelyeverafter.com. I'm also going to have it in my show notes, so you can find out more about Patty's history there, and also more of her materials are available there, as well as information about workshops and her book. And I just want to say that she assures us that we can take measures to prevent victimization. It's quite simple. That's what my takeaway was, is like, it's all very intuitive and trusting your instincts. But you have to stick to your guns. You do. And that's the, and I think as humans, we don't like confrontation and we don't want to accuse people. And and it's just about realizing that if you're getting tinglys in the back of your neck because you f- something feels weird, 
you gotta, you you at least owe it to your family to, to see that through and, and be protective. The two things I will say that were takeaways for me is one, like, cause again, I'm saying this cause you may think I grew up in the eighties, like stranger danger was all anybody talked about. That's not the thing anymore. It's now tricky people. It's an acknowledgement that predators are usually people, you know, if not members of your own family, she talks a lot about uncle creepy and cousin grabby and and we should say that that's because of her yes she's the one who who put the spotlight on that and brought that to everyone's attention um yeah, and did the tricky people tricky people that's her term so right? we're gonna learn more about that in this episode yeah. because i'm you know many of us just watched the michael jackson documentary leaving yeah. neverland tough tough to watch uh So it felt really important to share this episode again now, a year later. In this conversation, again, our first live episode ever, which was (laughs) crazy. (laughs) And also, like, bizarre. Like, Ellie's like, like, I'm going to. I do remember. You're like, I want to do a live episode. And I said, that sounds amazing. And you said, it's going to be about child predators. And I was like, big swing. I love it. (laughs) Let's just get a bunch of people in a room. Uh, But after speaking to Patty on the phone, I knew that that would be the live episode. This woman has so much charisma, so much energy, and so much important information. So here are a couple of things that we're going to learn. We're going to learn how to teach our children that they are the boss of their body. We're going to learn why stranger danger is ineffective. You just shared a little bit about Mm -hmm. that ads. You know, the ways in which predators groom our children how to keep our children safe from Cousin Creepy, Mm -hmm. the family code word, when to use it and what to do. Also sleepovers, the ones to avoid and how to politely get out of them. And as someone with a five-year-old, it might seem random that I bring up the sleepover thing so early in the conversation, but it's because it's the thing my daughter asks for every Of course, it's all she wants. That's the thing I forgot. I got I have to read Which, by the way, we have never done a sleepover. No. Well, and then we had like a one fake sleepover right, when Hudson. Was, yes. So Nikki has been a podcast guest twice. And when her son Bennett had his second heart surgery, their older son Hudson spent the night with us. And it was, I know it I'm was, going off on a tangent. It was hilarious though. But it was like the cutest thing on yeah. earth. They slept on the floor at the foot of my bed. Yeah. And it was the most adorable thing ever. It was hilarious. They made like a pillow fort of pretty much every pillow in the house. Yep. It was super cute. I was cute. like, they're going to suffocate. <laughs> <laughs> they were so cute. They were adorable. And so it's been hard to be like, no, yeah. never again. And she loves to say in front of all the other kids, like, when does Hudson get to do another oh sleepover? Yeah. Like, it was a it was a special circumstance. A thing. Anyway. My mom, I was raised, this is a bit of a tangent, but it's interesting. Uh, like my mom just didn't like sleepovers for a million different reasons. Most of which is she had four children and was like, I don't want more kids at the house. And it's a pain if you're a parent, I don't want them either. So she would do what she called 10 o'clock deals, which meant like, <laughs> you know, people could come over and hang out until 10 o'clock and then everybody went home. Cause what do you really need to do after 10 o'clock? So yeah, it's called 10 o'clock deal. You'd hang out till 10 and then everyone went home. Didn't she also not let your sister do like the prom after party? Uh, that feels more like a veto thing. But yeah, I do remember there was some double standards in terms of like. Oh, that's not what I was going to bring up. Uh, well, well, there were. That's I think so. Stupid. I don't know. I'd have to look back. I mean, I, there was no. I'm backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. No, no, no. I, there was no way my sisters were allowed to stay out all night. 
unprom. That's that just never would have been allowed. Rightfully so. I will. I would. I'll be the same way. If you think I'm going to let Sabrina stay out all night, my mom tried to get me to sign a legal contract. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> you would have followed it though, knowing you. You'd have been like, guys, I'm so sorry. I would love to do those things, but I signed a contract with my mother. <laughs> I would not cross one of my mother's contracts. I wouldn't cross your mother's <laughs> verbal contracts. I just wouldn't cross your mother, period. Okay. Back to this conversation. So we should just it's get great. on with it. It's get great. Just stick, it. I'm like, why it's are we It's the most important vamping? podcast you will listen to maybe ever as a parent. And it's such oh. useful information. And she emailed me today because yes. I reached out to her and was just like, do you have any thoughts? Can you just email me a couple of thoughts if you have them for my intro? And she was so amazing because she's so busy. And so here, I have to share this new information with you all. Okay, here's what she wrote me. Parents have got to understand what grooming is and what the red flag warning signs are. Because like so many other high-profile cases, the Michael Jackson case was rife with warning signs. No healthy, stable adult man will ever ask a parent if their child can sleep over without them and share a bed. But a predator will. And their biggest trick is using that manipulation of being famous, rich, in a position to do favors for the family. Too many parents either choose to turn a blind eye or refuse to believe anything bad about a person because they are so nice. My point of fact never changes. Two things can be true at the same time and often are. Someone can be nice and still be a molester. In fact, that's usually how it works. If parents are to learn anything from the Michael Jackson victims, it's this. Stop thinking a predator will look mean or dangerous. Stop thinking a nice person in authority isn't capable of victimizing children. And start understanding that it is a parent's job to recognize a warning sign or trick when another person is basically going out of their lane to gain access and alone time with your kid. That's how we protect children. Again, that is Patty Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Check out safelyeverafter.com. We will be right back with this conversation in front of a live audience. Don't forget to subscribe <laughs> and share with everyone you know. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. All right, Patty Fitzgerald, you're in the hot seat. Don't trip over the wires. Patty, oh, thank you for Hi. being here. Hi, thanks for having me. You're I'm like so the excited. person. I'm the person. You're, no, you're the person. And I mean, unfortunately, now Tonight, it's also I'm your moment, person. right? Um, you are the reason that people have swapped out like stranger danger boo, for tricky people. Okay, here's my question. Are you ready? I'm ready for the question. I don't know if you're ready. I'm okay. totally ready. What's the ready. number one thing we should take away from this evening before the wine hits our bloodstream? Uh, I was going to say a bottle of wine. Yes. <laughs> take that away. No. Should take away from this. Um, I think the most important thing, the one thing we should take away is that this is not rocket science. You can keep your kids safe. It is not rocket science. If I can do it, you can do it. It really boils down to some common sense, some listening to your instincts, and just understanding 
who tricky people are so that you know how to trust the right people and the other ones, maybe not so much. Um, so it's really not that complicated. It's just such a hot button issue. So we, we tend to overthink it, especially you young parents who have young children. Um, yeah, I don't overthink anything. Good girl. <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm a, ter- I'm a, I'm a mess. I, I, I'm they a mess. all know. All these I'm people here know. I'm a mess. It's okay. It's all right. I'm learning to accept myself, Patty. Good luck with that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm still working on that. Um, So, Patty, here's how I'm already overthinking. Okay. You're like, as long as you know who the tricky people are, how do I know who the tricky people are? So, here's the thing. Tricky people don't look ugly or satanic. (laughs) They look like everybody else. That's part of the trick. So you've heard that old adage, right? You can't judge a book by its cover. It's about 100 years old. Please tell me you know that. Yes. <laughs> because you're so young, you're like, no, What's we never book? heard that. What's, What's a book? Can't judge a Kindle by its Kindle. cover. Um, but that's the truth about tricky people. It's not what somebody looks like. It's how they act. It's what they say. And the thing about tricky people is when you can recognize, when you know what the red flag warning signs are, they're not that hard to spot tricky people. Having worked in this field for almost 20 years, I can tell you they pretty much all act the same way. They are overly charming, almost too good to be true. They're offering you freebies that mean alone time with your child. But yeah, that's the thing about tricky people is that they do put out red flag warning signs. And when you know what they are and you pay attention to them instead of minimizing your feelings, talking yourself out of your instinct, you will spot tricky people and put the kibosh on the relationship. Should we say that word again? Relationship with your kid when you recognize tricky people and you'll be able to. And you've probably already done it throughout your lives. You just didn't know it. So, How do I put the kibosh on it? Okay. So here's the thing. Tricky people need two things, access and privacy. If there is somebody who wants to victimize a child, first, they have to charm you. So a molester typically doesn't see your kid at 2 o'clock and molest them at 2.30 because that's a kid that'll freak out, that'll probably tell. What tricky people have to do is groom you. And that means they have to gain your trust. They basically have to get you eating out of the palm of their hand before they can look for or ask you for access and privacy with your child. So I stress that parents should pay attention to those words, access and privacy, access and privacy. And my favorite tagline that um, I tell parents all the time, pay attention to who's paying attention to your kid. Pay attention to who's paying attention to your kid. If they have every reason under the sun why they adore your child and they want to be alone with your child, just ask yourself if it makes sense. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But does it, like, uh, that's so hard at times. It's not, I swear. it's It's not? Nope. Nope. So, but that makes me feel like, and this is why there are some very brave dads in this audience, and they are you know, super hands-on. They've committed to this evening. It seems like there are a lot of men 
that are involved with kids or that would help out. Like one of my best friends has an awesome husband who Mm -hmm. would be very helpful Mm -hmm. with kids and seems interested in kids. Yep. I'm asking you as someone who like veer towards, I veer towards total paranoia. Yeah, don't veer away. So how, okay, so get me back in the lane, Patty, and tell me how can I let my kids then be with someone who is interested in my kids? Well, it's more than just somebody who's interested in kids. And that's the thing. There are plenty of great dads, hands-on dads. So this isn't, when I do a workshop, it's not like women are good, men are bad. But it's true. No, don't. (laughs) No, that's not true. There are plenty of good dads. Just because somebody likes your kid or is a hands-on parent doesn't mean they're a molester. What we're really doing is we are looking for clues and cues in people's behaviors as opposed to just, that's a man and he likes my kid, so he's bad. I have known, and I have a daughter, she's 20 years old. I talk about her all the time. Her name is Marissa. Well, there were plenty of Marissa's friends in in elementary school and middle school who had hands-on dads and moms. And some of them, I was like, thank God the dad's around because the mom's a flipping wacko. (laughs) So it's not dads are bad or men are bad. Here's what I look for. Who's asking what? That's my first thing. It's very New York of me, right? Who's asking what, as we say in my family back in Long Island? Who's asking what? Is that person so crazy about your kid and they have every reason under the sun why they want to take your kid on something special or do something special with your kid that excludes you? It's almost like put one and one together. And if you get two, you get two. But if you don't, Slow down. In plain English, if grandma says, I want to take Marissa to the movies on Saturday and I don't want you to come, it's a special treat and I'm going to spoil her rotten. Thumbs up. That makes sense. If Marissa's math tutor who comes to her ho- to our house every Tuesday afternoon, sits at the table, at the kitchen table, tutors math, and we love the math tutor because he's been coming for months and months and months. If he says to me, I really want to take Marissa to the movies on Saturday because she finally got an A on her math test and we don't want you to come because it's our special thing. It's a special reward. Look at all the moms. Like, no, no, run away, run away. That does not make sense. So here's the tip. Safe people who work with your kids are not looking for more alone time with your kids. So they don't ask for it in the first place. That's why I say, who's asking what? Grandma's asking to go to the movies? Knock yourself out. Take my kid. Math tutor thinks my kid walks on water and she's so smart and I want to reward her with an outing that excludes you, Patty. Thumbs down, no. And all you have to say to a person who you think is heading in the wrong direction, you don't have to go, oh, my God, that's so molestery. I can't believe you asked me that. <laughs> you know, because parents never know what to say. Yeah, give me the words. I got plenty of words. Yeah. This is L.A. I have a scripted line for everything. <laughs> and the line is this. With your pluckiest parent smile, you say, you know... I'm just not comfortable with that one. So I have to say no. I hope you understand. 
<laughs> and since this is a podcast, your listeners should know I have a smile oh, plastered yeah. on my face. But that's what you do. You don't have to freak out, but you say, I, it's all about your comfort level. I'm just not comfortable with that one. So I'm going to say, no, I hope you understand. Now, a safe person who didn't mean anything and wasn't trying to worm their way into your little system and your kid, a safe person will respond with something along the lines of, oh, sorry, no harm, no foul, didn't mean to overstep a boundary, blah, blah, blah. A tricky person will tell you, you're, are you kidding? You're so overprotective. Why? I've been tutoring Marissa for a month. She loves me. You're six months. You're, you're going to make me look bad. And, you know, you're overprotective. You're going to have to let her go at some point. They try and it's one of the tricks of tricky people. They try and guilt you or get you to second guess your comfort level because you're they nice gaslight parents. You. They gaslight you. I love that term. I can't believe you're young and you know that term. <laughs> they gaslight you because I say it all. All the time. I just flip my hair for anyone who's wondering. <laughs> Seriously, I say that all the time. And people are like, what are you talking about, gaslight? Yeah, oh, they gaslight on. you. That's exactly right. If somebody is trying to make you feel guilty, get you to second guess, that's when you dig your heels in and you do this technique I call the broken record technique. Adam knows that one well. <laughs> Does he? The broken record technique is you just say the exact same thing that you just said. I'm sorry. I'm just not comfortable with that. So I have to say no. I hope you understand. If you have to say it more than once, get that tricky person out of your house pronto. As I mentioned earlier, like if you're a single parent, I'm Mm -hmm. assuming that those kids are more vulnerable. Yes, they are. So let's say there is a single working mom and there is someone who is mentoring Mm -hmm. her child and wants Mm -hmm. to take her son, a man wants to take her son to the movies or something yeah. like that. How how do you know then? Because yeah, it'd be really freaking weird if someone wanted to take Sabrina, but if it was my son and I was never around because I was trying to provide for our family, how can I protect him? But also allow those sort of like father son mentorships to happen. You have to be really careful with with mentoring and people who want to mentor your kids. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, Single parents are more vulnerable simply because you're short one set of eyes and one, one extra, you know, caretaker. So whether you're a single mom or a single dad, yeah, you can be more vulnerable because predators have told me. You're an easy hit because sometimes you're desperate for child care, mentoring. So here's the thing. If you're a single parent, it doesn't mean that you can't trust anybody and that you have to be more paranoid. But it does mean that you have to be very smart about who you're going to allow access and privacy with. And I think that one of the most important things we can do is slow down on farming our kid off to everyone because sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. As a single parent, you're allowed to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You're allowed to have relationships. But knowing that you are a more vulnerable, in a a more vulnerable demographic, be very mindful if the people who gravitate towards you, whether it's girlfriends, boyfriends, your social life, 
Are they so interested in your child as well? Are they really eager to bond with you and your kid? So if the person is always saying things like, I want to bond with your child. I want to mentor your child. And I, you can go get your nails done or you can go, you can work late and I'll yeah. take care of this. Ask yourself why, especially in this day and age, safe people are more cautious than ever. So when somebody is too eager, I slow down. I put the brakes on that relationship with my kid. You're allowed to date and all of that, but that's your relationship not your kids. And as far as single parents go, um, tricky people, this is the trick. They love to worm their way into your family system with offers of helping you, offering freebies, relieving you of your parental duties, just, you know, saving the day. I always say, who's jumping in to save the day for you? Because that's one of the oldest tricks in the book. So I'm often looking at that with a single parent. Who's jumping in to save the day? If I can't pick my daughter up from tennis because I work late on Friday nights, if Nikki over there is my best friend and I've known her forever and her kid takes tennis too, and she says, do you want me to pick up Marissa? That makes sense. If my next door neighbor who has no kids of his own says, oh, I can take her. I can pick her up. I can take her to her music lesson after tennis. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Tricky people look for those little ends. And if you are so eager or if you so need People to help take care of your child. Tricky people love to jump in and do that. If I can't pick up my kid, it's my job to find the safest person to relieve me of the parental duty. It's not somebody else's job to see a weak link in my mm. system and then jump in and save the day. It's I feel so of- bad for all the codependents, though, because they're like... <laughs> Listen, I used to be the biggest one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So you would jump in to save the day. They'd be like, I don't know, Patty, you might be tricky. Um, Okay. I want to ask you about slumber parties. Mm. I mean, Sabrina's already asked me about slumber parties. Because I said slumber parties or just because you're hydrating? No, Um, because you said slumber parties. Oh, shit. Don't worry. We can Uh, swear on a podcast. Sure, why not? (laughs) You know, I don't put the explicit thing when I should. Eh, Okay. So- I don't know what to be more freaked out about. Pools. I did an episode about that. Listeners, find that one. It was a great one with Selena. Yeah, anyway. Guns. Because uh, I guess you're supposed to ask. Yes, See, you My are. children, luckily, are not at that age quite yet where we're supposed to ask if someone has a gun in the house. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is older brothers. Yep. Okay, because I want to talk you want to start? Because Patty... My little Sabrina, the older brothers take a liking to her. And I swear to God, we were at a friend's house and I said, Sabrina, do not go into a room alone. You know, be with the whole group. I said it out loud. By the end of the night, she had to go to the bathroom. She went to the bathroom and uh, the older brother ended up in the bathroom with her. Yeah. She's four. You can't expect her. She, developmentally, she's not ready to execute that command or that instruction. 
Yeah. You could say it forever. She's yeah. four. That's like and now I should do some damage control. Like everything was fine. I totally trust this yeah. kid. But it's that feeling of being like, I told you not to do this. And then you did it anyway. Yeah. And here I am blaming the potential victim. But like, it's just, what do I do? Patty, I'm, I need okay, a drink. So here, I know, I know. <laughs> I often suggest drinking during the molester talk. <laughs> the thing is. You got to know what you're working with. You're working with a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Most of you guys are working with young children, right? Your parents of young children. Developmentally, they can only do so much. And I'll give you a big parent tip. The more you say, don't do this, don't do that, your kid does it. Don't doesn't register. I'm not a fan of don't. I'm a fan of do. What do you do? On that blue and white postcard, that's one of your handouts. There's a rule on there. That That's the... Um, the Super 10 Safety Rules for Kids and Grown-Ups. Number five is check first before you go anywhere or do anything, even with someone you know. I think it's more important to teach kids what to do in certain situations rather than what not to do. Or Yeah, everybody says don't, but you shouldn't say don't. You should say do. Do, 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 do. Teach your kid how to respond. It's about being proactive. So teach your kid how to respond or what to do in certain situations. If Marissa was four years old, and we, I have this huge Italian family back in, on the East Coast, and there's a bunch of idiots running around all the time at Christmas and Thanksgiving and all of that. My job, there's a couple of things you do, Ellie. First of all, where are the kids? Where are the grown-ups? If you're all sitting in here having a glass of wine and the kids are running around, that's fine. But every now and then you got to get up and figure out, find out where are they? They shouldn't be upstairs behind a closed door. So it's your job to go up and check and go up. Oh, no closed doors, you guys. Come on downstairs. What do you do that happens regularly? <laughs> You continually do it. There's no, I can't go, okay, well, after once or twice, they're going to like take get all the, the doors off the hinges. There you go. That's, this is our new you know, version of, uh, we're toddler proofing. We're, yeah. yeah. Oh, everyone, it's an open space plan. Yeah, really, just no doors, no rooms, just live in a cavern. Um, or just have cameras everywhere. And can we? when can we put chips in our kids? When is that? Anyway, uh, continue. Next week, I think, you can put chips in your kids. You got to be supervising. And it doesn't mean that you have to trail your kid or be a helicopter parent. But it does mean that when we're in big social situations, you know, 90% of the time, the tricky person or the inappropriate person is somebody you know. 90% of the time. Uh. Somebody you know, not a stranger. So who is it? You're going to you're gonna hate me for this, but it's Uncle Creepy, Cousin Yucky, Coach Sandusky, Larry Nasser. It's those people who we socialize with. That doesn't mean you got to live in a cave, but it means that when you're in these social situations, where's my kid? Where are the grown-ups? And every now and then, I've got to get up and I've got to say something. And if there's one adult 
who or one older kid who seems way too interested in hanging with the younger kids. It's my job to monitor that. Okay, But how much older should that kid be? Because the older brother thing is like, gonna, I know with this one. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm pretty intuitive. Yeah. The older brother thing is going to be a thing. Yeah. In general. Yeah. She's just so a much cooler than me. Cutie patootie, cool kid who's outgoing and charming and people gravitate towards her. Like mom. Oh, yeah. I think. Seems like that. Um, But know what you're working with. And if that's the kind of kid you have, then you got to supervise your kid until you have taught your kid the super 10 safety rules about what's okay and not okay for other people. This is a process, Ellie, and and I think that's the part that can seem overwhelming is this is a process. What keeps our kids safe? It's kind of like a two-pronged approach. What keeps our kids safe is teaching them some thumbs up and thumbs down. Like if you're in this sort of environment and the older brother says, hey, Sabrina, let's go outside and- um, I want to show you my Bronco. I want to show you. My Bronco? What do I, I, I really love Broncos. Who's the older like, brother? I, OJ? I mean, oh my God. And now we have entered the fantasy part of Ellie's evening. <laughs> oh, I love Broncos. It's like a thing. Is it, am I the only one? Oh, Bridget feels that way. Jessica? I had one when I was a teenager. Oh, Amy. You're talking about the Bronco car yeah. thing. Yeah. OJ kind of ruined it, but... He totally ruined it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Texas, leave me alone. Oh, Patty, continue. You want to, okay, so I'm a little brother. You want to go see You want to go outside. You want to go down the down the street. There's a pink berry. Hey, Sabrina, you want to oh, come okay. outside and see my Bronco? The, <laughs> the first thing your child should know. See this little stop sign hand I put up? Yes. Kids remember words and movements. I taught Mm. Marissa, put out your stop sign hand and your line, Marissa, what you say is, gotta check first or gotta ask first. And then she would run to me and say, Uncle Creepy wants to go outside and show me his Bronco. And then mom gets to say yes or no, or I'll go with you. So that's why I say that check first rule is important, whether you're at the park and some stranger comes up to your kid and says, hey, we're going to go feed the ducks on the other side. You want to come? Or you're at Thanksgiving dinner and the older cousin says, hey, Marissa, let's go outside or let's go play baseball in the schoolyard across the street. It has to be check first. Now, if the kid is an older kid, the older cousin, and they like your child. That doesn't mean that that older kid is going to molest your child. But common sense will tell you that kids who are older, like a 13-year-old, does not want to spend all his time hanging out with a 5-year-old. So if there seems to be an inordinate, inordinate an excessive <laughs> amount of attention or curiosity, and it means alone time, that person is looking for alone time, supervise that relationship more closely. So it's 
partly your job to do the supervising and the monitoring and the taking your glass of wine and going upstairs <laughs> and find. Yeah, you can take your wine. Nobody said put Thank the wine God. down. Yeah, no, but that's you know not. that's what I would do. Yeah. and I had to do it a gazillion times because in my family there are a few um, yucky, inappropriate, tricky people. And growing up, I had to figure it out for my own. Fast forward when Marissa was younger and I had to go back east for, um, you know, family reunions Mm -hmm. or whatever. My job was, where's Marissa? Where's Cousin Creepy? And I had to monitor that. Mm -hmm. When she was four, I couldn't say, don't go with Cousin Creepy. And was that based on your instincts? That was based on my instinct and a personal experience with Cousin Creepy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you don't have to have personal experience with a cousin or a a, a tricky person to Mm -hmm. get the vibe that they're not okay. Right. There are certain things that older kids just don't want to do. An older kid does not want to hang out behind closed doors or alone with your kid for hours on end. So a lot of times it's monitoring, monitoring, supervising. And by the time your child is 14, they should be pretty good at understanding those super 10 concepts being you're the boss of your body. You're the boss of your private parts and you're the boss of touches. Your private parts belong only to you. If someone wants to mess around with a private part, it's okay for you to say, sorry, inappropriate. Don't touch my private parts. Also, you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to teach our kids that. We have to teach our kids. So if you were all sitting in a workshop with me, this is one of the things that I would be telling you right off the bat. Use anatomically correct words for body parts, penis and vagina, because child predators don't. They usually use a, a cutesy little nickname. So if your kid knows penis vagina and Uncle Creepy says, did you know that your vagina looks kind of like a cookie? And your kid goes, cookie, that's my vagina. What Uncle Creepy hears is, "Uh uh-oh, somebody already taught this kid something. I could get busted. That's not the kid I want to mess with. The other part, look, I hear everybody. I mean, go, it really upset my mother yeah. when Sabrina was talking about her vagina. Yeah. <laughs> and then especially when I, I up the Annie, and that's thanks to Bridget, but I up the Annie by being like, that's not your vagina, it's your vulva. That's one of them. <laughs> oh, jeez, you were really like, we're going to laser in on this. Anatomy. Continue, Patty. <laughs> um, you know, uh, boobies do get uh, upset. Uh, you know, I wasn't raised on penis vagina either. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, I couldn't say the words, I think, till I was 30. Um, but in, in the... Le- in I still the- have a cupcake. I have a six-month-old. I have nothing left. <laughs> Continue, You look Patty. amazing, by the way, for having a six-month-old. It's stress. Honestly, you are like... It's the flu over Christmas. Thing. Is that it? Yeah. I need to get the flu. Yes. Okay, so what are the other steps? Okay. So teach your kid boss of my body, boss of my private parts. And you start now when your children are young. So if you're in my workshop and you're a preschool parent, blame everything on Miss Patty. And the lines, the script you say to your kid is, I went to Miss Patty, the safety ladies class. And she said, because they love when you go to school because they understand it. it. So you've got to speak 
their language. You've got to communicate the way they understand. Mm -hmm. I went to Miss Patty, the safety ladies class, and she said, now that you're growing up, you get to be the boss of your body. Oh, she'll love that. Oh, my God. They do love it. And they immediately know what a boss is. When you talk to your kid, ask them what a boss is immediately. (laughs) A boss is in charge. That's right. A boss is in charge. You're in charge of who touches your body and who can't touch your body. So all of this language that I'm giving you right now, this is what you say to your kids. I went to Miss Patty's class. She said, now that you're growing up, you're the boss of your body. That means you're the boss of your private parts or for you parents, the boss of your penis and vagina. And you're the boss of your whole body and you get to decide who can touch you and who can't touch you. And there are certain touches on our penis or vagina that are, uh uh-oh, thumbs down, inappropriate. So if somebody tries an inappropriate touch, just say, don't touch my vagina. Don't touch my penis. And you do this little cutesy little game that I just went through. Mm -hmm. I mean... It'll go a lot faster when you're doing it in real time. But you do it when the kids are getting ready for bed or at the bathtub. And you let them know that they're the boss of their bodies. And then you remind them when they're 5 and when they're 10 and when they're 20 and they're going to Coachella. (laughs) Which is what happened with Marissa last year. Yep. Yes. So wait, but really also, so that's going to be an issue that. for a lot of us with wiping. That'll become like a real fun Well, here's game. the thing. But that's okay. It's worth the trouble. It is. And, and part of teaching your kids that they're the boss of their private parts is give them the toilet paper or the washcloth and you say, you're the boss of your private parts. You clean them. Now... They're, they're four. They're not going to do an expert job. And so what happens is if you have to take over, well, Sabrina, you're going to need a little more cleaning. Your kid needs to know that the only reason why anyone is getting near their penis or vagina is for the purposes of being healthy or clean. So there's these catch words or or buzzwords. So, oh, Sabrina, it looks like you need to be a little bit cleaner. Mom can help you out because that's mom's job, to help keep your body clean. When you go to the doctor, most of the time your pediatrician will say, I need to check a private part to make sure you're healthy. And that's okay because mom or dad is uh, here with you. And if your pediatrician forgets to say it, you chime in and say it. It's okay for your pediatrician, for for your doctor to check your private part because mom's here and it's only to make sure you're healthy. And you see me doing this thumbs up, thumbs Mm -hmm. down thing all day long. I do this with kids. Get into the habit of giving your kids this signal because it it resonates with them and they go, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. So clean and healthy. So when Sabrina says, I don't want to take a bath because I'm the boss of my body. Oh, yeah. Because she, did that she will. Yeah. Your response, parents, is yay, you are the boss of your body. Always agree with your child, and then you zing with what you got to yeah. zing. It's like the one, two, uh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that. You are the boss of your body, yay. But mom and dad are the bosses for when you have to stay healthy and clean. So you still got to take a bath, but you get to be the boss of the bath. And you get to be the boss of your vagina and you get to clean your vagina and the rest of your body. 
And if you need a little help cleaning, that's when mom or dad jump in for a little extra help cleaning. And so it starts your child thinking in terms of, well, the only reason that anybody is near my Mm -hmm. Venus or vagina or my private parts right now is for the purposes of healthy and clean. Okay. And that comes with practice. Practice makes perfect. So that's a conversation you want to start having with your kids every flipping bath time. It's exhausting and I don't envy you, (laughs) but you'll get through it. Um, But that's something you want to teach your kid. And so your young children love the word inappropriate. They love that word. So teach them a private parts touch with our friends or our big cousins. And you see how I'm doing it with a smile because that's how you don't scare the crap out of your kids is that you say it with a smile and then it stays with them. If anybody wants to play with your play with your private parts, that's inappropriate. You just tell that toucher, don't touch my vagina. And you have to practice it. And you're going to practice having your kids say, don't touch my vagina. Don't touch my penis. Don't touch my butt. And your kid's going to laugh. I love it. And that let them laugh. is like, it's so hilarious. This is going to be great. Yeah. Because they started a revolution. Those poor teachers. We should send an email tonight and warn them. Anyway, continue, Patty. You might. Yeah. Yeah, you better tell. If your preschool teachers know anything, and I'm sure they do, they expect it. I was a preschool teacher. I I know how they think. Um, But yeah, kids need to just go, don't touch my penis. Don't touch my vagina. That's my penis. That's inappropriate. That's inappropriate. Okay, slumber parties. Slumber parties are a slippery slope. Well, I tried to say that a few times. Slumber parties are a slippery slope because there is less supervision at a slumber party. Parents go to bed. Kids stay up late. The very nature of a slumber party is less supervision. That's why kids like slumber parties. They stay up late. They do goofy things. They watch TV till all hours. So I have a, I have a couple of uh, uh, caveats or, or specific ideas about whether or not you should do slumber parties. Okay, so there is option A. Option A is we just don't do slumber parties. There are plenty of parents who make that a family rule. We just don't do sleepovers. We just don't do them because I have a, it's not in my comfort zone. It's not my comfort level. And there are a lot of parents. So you're not going to be the freak parent in the neighborhood or at the preschool that everybody else is talking about. There are a lot of parents who think that way. So that's option A. Then you don't have to make any decisions. If you're going to allow an occasional sleepover, that's option B. My suggestion is keep it a very short list of what approved houses are sleepover houses. Well, you're scaring the crap out of me, Pat. Totally. Oh, but, but, okay. Is, is anyone else cold in here? Am I just shivering in the corner like, oh, my God, my daughter's going to get older. And like, what about like Girl Scout troops, summer parties? And I'm no, going to tell her, no, that you can't no, do it because okay. she's not, she's not a list. Adam, Adam. Yeah, he's happy with that. Bring all this one back in. What? What is the girl? So you you could do that. You do. You guys know what I'm saying? 
Okay, okay so everybody, right. come, let me tell you something. Marissa had sleepovers. Oh, my God. Okay. With what I know, I could have kept Marissa in and said no sleepovers ever. See, that just freaked me out. You said, with what I know. There's and a lot. yet, ah, okay. but listen, yeah. listen to oh. the whole thing, Ellie. Okay. I don't what know. I know, I could have said no sleepovers. Yeah. But what I also know is that if I am too overprotective yeah. or I don't trust anyone, my kid will eventually go nuts when she gets freedom. And I'm really not teaching her anything. Yeah. And what else I know is that not everybody who comes in contact with my kid is a molester. So if you're going to allow sleepovers, just make it a short list. Like for me, here was my, this was my guideline. I didn't do sleepovers where there were older teenagers in the house. Okay. Mm. I might do a sleepover at your house because I've known you since preschool. You don't have an older nephew staying over or visiting you or babysitting or an older teenage son or daughter who might show your kids something, the kids something inappropriate. So I might say, you know what? Sabrina's house is an approved house. I know her. I've been around. I know she and Adam are on the same page. We've talked about safety. Marissa was allowed to sleep at a couple of friends' houses where there were no older teenagers in the house. I had been in that house a gazillion times. We had known each other since the kids were very, very little. I had a good feeling, and I also taught Marissa, if you're on a sleepover and it's starting to feel yucky, because that's my other favorite word, and I went thumbs down. I said, Marissa, if it feels yucky, it's okay to call me up. I'll come and get you. You're not going to get in trouble, and I'm not going to be mad. So I had to make sure that she was developmentally ready for a sleepover. At four years old, she's no. not really ready for a sleepover. If you got to pull up. You're not ready. Right. <laughs> exactly. So that's Ellie's parenting tip of the night. <laughs> if you got to pull up, you're not ready. Huh? I like that. How old? I don't think there's any one when right can we age. ship them off so we can have a free date night? Yeah, really. Well... If there's no one right age, but typically around seven, eight, nine, and there's more. There's more. There's a whole thing about sleepovers. This in and of itself could be a whole oh, podcast so, yeah. just on I sleepovers. Have what have I taught my kid? Have I taught my kid? And is my kid developmentally able and capable to say that's inappropriate? Or is she smart enough? Have I taught her that, you know what, Marissa, if it's feeling yucky, walk away. Call me up. I'll come and get you. Mm -hmm. And we had code words. And that's the other part of sleepovers or any exit strategy. Your kids need to save face. They don't want to say to the mom in charge of the sleepover, "Um, I think I'm about to get molested, so I like to make a call. That really got Adam's funny yeah. bone over there in the corner. <laughs> so, your kid needs an exit strategy. 
Your kid needs an exit strategy, and that's that family code word, and they're not really ready to understand how the code word works until they're about seven, eight Mm. years old. The family code word is a word that your kid uses to call you, or later on when they're old enough, they text you that says, I need you. So when Marissa was young, we had a family code word. It was Benihana, because she loved (laughs) Benihana. We're, we're all about food in my family. So I knew that if Marissa called and said, um, hey, mom, I was just checking. Are we still going to Benny Hanna's tomorrow? I would be like, I'll be right there. That's good. <laughs> okay. That way she's not embarrassing herself. And I also said to her, if it feels like uh-oh, or maybe your friend's just being kind of bratty. It wasn't always like yeah. she didn't need me to pick her up because it was an inappropriate. Oh, but God. sometimes her friend would just act like a little creep. And <laughs> she would go, i got to get out of here. But she didn't want to say why. Yeah. So she would call me up and go, are we going to Betty Hanna's later? And I'd go, I'll be right over. Um, I also taught her that if you need an exit strategy, it's okay to say, I kind of feel sick, like I might throw up. Oh, Nobody God. wants to be around a kid throw, who might throw up. Right. So Not me. that can be your kid's code word. Like, but I'll when you, you have it, yeah. yeah. I'm kidding. They uh, feel connected to you. Okay. So before you're going to allow a sleepover, run through the checklist. How old is my kid? Is my kid capable of saying to anybody, particularly somebody else in that household, whether it's a sibling or a parent or a baby, don't touch my penis. Do they have the ability to just call you up and say, are we going to Benihana's or I'm going to throw up? How much time have you spent in that household? What's the family dynamic like? If I barely know you from kindergarten and you say, Marissa really loves playing with Sabrina. Can she sleep at our house tonight? If I haven't spent enough time with you, you may seem like lovely people. And I'm not saying you're molesters, but my comfort level is going, not yet. Not yet. Okay, so there's a scripted line to get you out of sleepovers. I got a line for everything. I was going to ask you, you're doing my job for me, Patty. What do I do not to like, like, because Sabrina will be like, I got to go to this cool sleepover, mom. And I'll be like, well, that kid's not on the list. And then she'll say that'll seem clicky. Like if you're allowed to go to certain kids' houses. I'll I'll tell you how to get out of it. First of all, I... um, there were times when I didn't want Marissa to go on a sleepover. And so what I would say to Marissa, like I might say she could sleep at her friend um, Olivia's house Mm -hmm. when she was a kid. She could sleep at Olivia's house, but she couldn't sleep at Jordan's house because Jordan's parents were too loosey-goosey. And Olivia's parents were real similar to me, and they didn't have older teenagers in the house. So Olivia was approved. Jordan was not approved, okay? Mm -hmm. If Marissa wanted to sleep at Jordan's, I would say to Marissa, you know, Marissa, I just don't do good when you're on a sleepover. I don't sleep well. I miss you and I'm all oogly. Sabrina will not give a shit. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, Marissa, like, Marissa was like, oh, gee, okay, I feel yeah. sorry for you. Um, no, they don't No, They don't yeah. care. But you say it anyway. Yeah. I just don't do well. So for right now, Marissa, I'm saying no to sleepovers. You can have Jordan sleep here and maybe mm. next week 
will think about it again. Great. So invite the child over to your house. Right. Got yeah. it. Ooh, that's and a good one, Invite the Patty. child to your house. There's a lot of mmms in the audience yeah, here. Yeah, I, yeah. You're going to get tired of that real fast. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's Sleepover really... Can we just suck. hire a babysitter that's approved for... Uh, okay. Yeah. Sleepovers suck. I'm telling you. Okay. Um, but that's what I would say to Marissa if I didn't want her to sleep yeah. at a certain house. And it, sometimes you have to say something to the parent. So if Marissa and Olivia and Jordan are all friends and Olivia's approved uh, an approved house. If Jordan's parents say to me, can Marissa sleep over our house on Friday? I don't want to say no, your house is yucky. (laughs) So what I would say to Jordan's parents is, you know, I just don't do well when Marissa's on a sleepover. Mm-hmm. So right now I started saying no to sleepovers. It's nothing personal. It's all about your comfort level. That's your scripted line. I just don't do well. I would say it to Marissa. I would say it to certain parents. I just don't do well. So for right now, I'm saying no to sleepovers. That's why if Jordan's mom says, well, she slept at Olivia's last week, my response is, I know, and I just don't do well when she's on a sleepover. So for right, right. now, I'm still recovering. I started saying no to sleepovers. So there's yeah. a very specific method okay. to my madness. No, that's very helpful. Play crazy. Write that down, yeah. Nikki. Uh, yeah, I say that. Yeah. <laughs> really? We are just kindred spirits. We are kindred spirits. Play crazy or just plucky smile just go oh call me crazy but this is my thing y'all is that not what i do (laughs) yes because you're an atomic mom okay what you see you're doing it all right sweetie you're doing it right right uh manny's that's like not a, a fan thing. of the no. Manny. What? Not, not a fan of the Manny. Yeah, okay, because this is an anonymous Female listener. Too, like- so actually, Claire, come to the mic right now. Everyone's heard Claire Coffee's episodes. Uh, anyway, continue. So my question is with babysitters, because yeah. you know you that that is a situation where you are trusting this person, That's you right. know, one on one with your kid, and you know, there's only so many um, references and friends who've hired Absolutely. them, and and you know, there could be an entire ring of babysitters, and nobody knows because you're never there. Um, Aside from a camera in your house, is there any way to pick up on signs aside? You know, I have an almost three-year-old and he is good at communicating certain things, but I don't know that he would say, hey, so-and-so touched my penis. Yeah. You know? They might not. Yeah, Um, they might not. So, and to answer your question um, first, I'm not a fan of the Manny and that's not politically correct and I don't care. As we say in New York, a futura. Uh, or in Italian, a futura, a favut, a futura, I don't care. I'm not a fan of the, the Manny because it's a 50-50 bet. It's not as, um, statistically, it's not the lowest risk. And when it comes to my kid, I play the lowest risk. So I'm sorry. I know some people like Manny's and especially in our town here in L.A., I know a lot of people have them. If you're going to have an, a Manny, I would really vet that person. And um, 
I would be very careful that that person knows that he doesn't take my child to his house or have his friends come over and all of that. So that, that, that there's a reason why I don't love that. But to answer Claire's Claire, right. Claire's question about, um, babysitters, there's never, you're never going to have a hundred percent guarantee on anything. But when I had to have a babysitter for Marissa, I would first get references from close parents, not just some schmo that I met at the coffee shop who said, oh, I got a great babysitter. I would get references or recommendation from a close friend who is of like-minded, of a similar mind. Then I meet the babysitter ahead of time for coffee or I have her over. And I ask the usual questions like, how do you handle a tantrum and how do you handle this? But what I really want to get to know is the babysitter. Does the babysitter live in Cuckooville? Does the babysitter have a lot of baggage? So I'm asking questions about, does the babysitter have a boyfriend? Does the babysitter like to bring her friends over. How does your baby What about this BS? Sorry, this just really upset me though. But like how when babysitters want to play with other babysitters at other people's homes, like with they don't they want the kids to play, right? But they're hanging out like and suddenly your baby's at someone else's home? No. Yeah, no. No, okay. would you what? No. I just have to say no. Just say no. At the risk of sounding like Nancy Reagan, <laughs> just say no. Okay. Um, vetting your babysitters, nannies, caretakers means you ask a lot of questions about what their lifestyle is like. Not just what time is bedtime and are you going to make my kid brush his teeth when he doesn't want to, but do you, how do you feel about bringing your friends over? I know some, some babysitters, you know, they like to have their friends over. If your babysitter goes, no, it's my job. I don't bring friends over. Then that's the right answer. But if they go, well, would it be all right if I did that? (laughs) Just the fact that they even are thinking about that or they, then I go next. (laughs) Ask your babysitter what their social life is like. Ask their babies, your babysitter what their relationship is like with their parents. If they, I hate my mother. I used to even do this with people I dated. I was always asking, how do you feel about your parents? You didn't have to love the parents, but if somebody had come start, you start feeling like, there's a lot of baggage here. <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of stuff I'm asking. Um, I want to get to know that, that person yeah. on a more personal level than just child care. Because so, I got to get a vibe. I got to get a sure. vibe. And then let's say I decide, Claire, that I'm going to let this person babysit my kid. And I had to do this once in a while because I don't have family on the West Coast and we live here. So I didn't have the luxury of grandma babysitting my daughter. Um, If I had a babysitter, one of the things that I used to like to say to the babysitter, you know, babysitter, Marissa and I, I, not like, you know, like a crazy, you know, but I would say, you know, uh, Courtney, um, (laughs) 
It's, that's a good. That's a good name for a babysitter, name, right? Yeah, right. Adam taking notes. Screenwriter over there. Anyway, a lot of screenwriters. You know, Courtney, Um, Marissa and I have been working really hard this week on the private parts and the no secrets and the don't touch me there rules. Mm -hmm. So just letting you know, I just want to bring you up to speed that it might come up in case she says it. You'll know what she's talking about. See ya. Bye. (laughs) And it's. Sounds like when I'm saying it to you now, it sounds crazy, but really it isn't. It's just like, no. this is how you bring it. Yeah, you know, we've been working really hard well, on also, the private Some people parts. would be like, what? Why is the kid saying vagina all the time? Yeah. Like, it's nice to yeah. get anyway. I had anyway. to say that to my mom, too. Yeah. You know, mom, we've been yeah. working on saying vagina. So, right. you know, don't freak out. She'll bring be people up the vagina monologues in yeah. pre-K next week. <laughs> exactly. Okay, t- um, feet tickling. Wait, wait, wait there's more. So that's what you say to the babysitter. I'm on to the feet tickling. I got to make sure Claire gets her question answered, yeah, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your kid is three years old. He's not necessarily going to say, Courtney, try to play with my penis. What I want to know is when Courtney leaves, tell me three things you did with Courtney. So the next morning, tell me three things. Not, did Courtney play with your penis? <laughs> But tell me three things, and, and this is something else that, is, that I teach in my workshops. You don't ask closed-ended questions. When your kid goes to school, when your kid spent time with the babysitter, tell me three things you did with Courtney, Marissa, and I'll tell you three things I did when I went out last night. I saw, I went to the movies. I had cake. Um, oh, I, 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 somebody almost hit my car in the parking lot. I, was, I drank with all of your friends' moms. Yeah, yeah. you might want to leave that one. But if you hear anything like, I don't like Courtney, or Courtney's mean, or Courtney's yucky, maybe Courtney's not going to be the babysitter anymore. I also look for signs in my child. I look for any kind of emotional or behavioral signs, like um, suddenly they're... um, clingy or crying or they're saying things about Courtney that don't make sense. But I like to ask whether Marissa went to school, if she spent the weekend at grandma's, if Courtney was babysitting. Marissa, tell me three things because I want, I need to read her. Most of the time you're going to get good stuff. Okay. But I do have a thing about the cameras too. I had a dad, because dads, you have some great ideas. It's not all the moms who are doing all the heavy lifting. I had a dad in a workshop say to me, when the babysitter came to his house, he would say to the babysitter, if you hear a beep, 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 (laughs) it's the camera going off and it'll let me know on my cell phone. Don't worry, I can turn it off remotely. The guy didn't have a camera within 50 miles of his house. That's brilliant. But here's the thing. And the reason, isn't that brilliant? I know, that was a really smart dad. And the reason I say that one, I mean, Courtney. The reason I say that, Ellie, um, is that. Tell me I look young enough to be a Courtney. You do, you do. The reason I say that is because the one thing that stops a predator is the possibility of getting caught, which I mentioned earlier. If they think you're the kind of parent who's not dumb, 
or naive who sort of says things or puts out what I call an involved parent vibe, you are less likely to be a target. So the vibe is, I'm too slick. I'm on you. I'm on this parent thing. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. And you can do this. Yeah. You already do. From the oh, yeah. things I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. It just made, no, it just, yeah, that's great. Okay. Yeah, it just made me really sad for all, all the moms out there that who can't be um, that physically present all the time. You can't be physically present all the time, but you can you can certainly pick the best people to relieve you of your mm-hmm. parental duty. Yeah. You can do your due diligence in who is going to provide a ride or be a babysitter. Right. You're going to make smart, educated choices. Yes. You base things on statistics. You're building me up now. Yeah, this Good. feels better. I want you to finish this, no, this, this podcast yeah. feeling like you got some real no, tools and that you, I, uh, you're I not going to be scared. We've got so, thank you so much for the tools so far. I, I'm curious about the foot tickling, tickling thing. Cause listen, I did a web series called married single divorce and we were on a bed and we did interviews. This was before Joan Rivers did it anyway. And, and well, we got a lot of hits and we thought we were really special. And then we realized that a lot of the hits were because uh, like foot fetish people <laughs> found our web series <laughs> and they would comment all the time. Everyone's like mortified. I'm dying in a shame spiral over here. My, and I'm barefoot. This is too much. <laughs> Point being, when anyone tickles my child's feet, I freak out. So, oh my god! Is, that, is it is it okay? Or t- is tickling feet okay? Do I have to tell my whole family to knock it off because it creeps me out? Like, what's no, the deal? No, but it's a really good question, actually. You know, people think I'm going to say nobody touched my kid, no tickling, no wrestling, no nothing. No, tickling and hugs and kisses and all that aren't bad. So let's not, you know, put ourselves in a bubble. Nobody touched my kid. The thing about tickling is this. When your kid is very young, a little tickle from grandma or Auntie Sue or Uncle Joe is no big deal. But is it excessive? Or is it just, oh, tickle, tickle. Okay, now I'm going to go get a glass of wine. Tickling isn't bad, but does your kid say, stop, okay, I'm done. And Uncle Joe goes, Oh, come on. You know you love me tickling you. You're my special kid. Don't be like that. Oh, you big baby. Look, you're laughing. You must like the tickling. Yes, right? Thumbs down. Um, So I'm always looking at who's tickling, how long are they tickling, does it look excessive, or is it just a cute little, hi, honey, it's so good to Mm -hmm. see you, tickle, tickle. All right, where's the line? That's what I'm looking at. And I'm looking at people who seem to want to excessively tickle or touch my child because predators have told me if we want to molest a child, we've got to get that child used to um, our hands on their bodies. So we do a lot of excessive physical. So I'm looking and saying, does it seem excessive or does it seem in the realm of a normal tickle or a hug or, you know, a pat on the back? Or is it excessive? Is it excessive wrestling? Is it tickling? And then let's go outside and play, Marissa. 
Is it tickling? And then, can I take your kid to the movies on Saturday? Or can I take your kid to Target with me right now? Is it tickling and looking for access and privacy? Or is it just, Mm -hmm. hi, uh, tickle your foot? (sighs) And is your kid saying no? I also look at... um, what I call accidental touching games, like the pocket game. The pocket game is like, ew, right? You can just figure out. The pocket game is one of the oldest tricks in the book. You know, Uncle Creepy puts a toy in his pocket and he says, hey, go in there and, <gasps> and fish that fish that out. That's called the pocket game. So if you see your, your kid's not being tickled, but Uncle Creepy's going for the pocket game, that's when you go, note to self. That's not normal tickling. Keep an eye on Uncle Creepy at 4th of July. Okay, so jumping on Uncle Creepy. No, wait, no, that came out wrong. (laughs) Anonymous listener question here. Okay. If there's someone in your family or your spouse's family that you have a bad gut feeling about, should you just be vigilant about supervising your child when they play with that person? Or should you actually have a conversation with your child about not being alone with that person and any tips for explaining aforementioned, this listener's so smart, aforementioned vigilance to parties who see that same relative as innocuous? Okay. So a lot of questions. Deep and I This person should just them. take my job. Yep. No, those are good questions. I get asked those exact questions all the time. I'm still waiting for a new question because mm. it's we all worry about the same things and it's always the same issues. First of all, there are people in my family that I would not want Marissa when she was younger or even now uh, to spend alone time with. So my job was when she was younger, where's Cousin Creepy? Where's Marissa? I did not say to Marissa, don't be alone with Cousin Creepy. Because if I said that, that's the first person she's going to be alone oh, yeah. with. Because there's some curiosity there. It's not Marissa's job to stay away from Cousin Creepy. Mm. It's my job to keep Marissa away from Cousin Creepy. So when she's four, five, six, where are the kids? Where's Cousin Creepy? If Cousin Creepy is the only one in the living room watching a video with the kids, my job is to go in there and say, Cousin Creepy, the grown-ups are out here having coffee and wine. The kids don't need you. And when Cousin Creepy says well, he wants to stay in there, that's when I take my glass of wine and I stay in there too. Because I've got to put out a visible vibe that I'm not going to be conned or tricked or that I'm going to let you fly under the radar. So if there's somebody specific in my family that I have an uh uh-oh feeling about, then I am going to be that much more, um, what's the word? Vigilant. Vigilant. Uh, I'm going to be that much more vigilant about access and privacy and making sure that that situation doesn't present itself. Can so you, that's the first say, thing. Can you say you're, you're creepy? You're being creepy. Stop. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I, I could say, it's so creepy. Why do you want to hang out? And then that cousin creepy will go, what do you mean it's so creepy? I don't know why I'm doing that voice. <laughs> no, it was creepy. It was good. Was that you're, a good you're creepy hired. voice? You're cast. Wait a- 
voiceovers. I've got a whole like Why I get it. That? I see it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Why is uh, I just want to be with the kids? You know, you're so overprotective. I don't want to be with the adults. The kids are more interesting. Screw they like you. To play the video creepy. games with me or exactly. I, I love playing Minecraft. Thing. Oh, there you go. Okay. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Tricky people know what kids like, and they're always up on the latest games and videos, and they want to be with the kids. So, yes, Adam, to answer your question, you can say, Cousin Creepy, you're being a little creepy right now. That's where all the kids are. Cousin Creepy is not going to go, oh, you got me. (laughs) But Cousin Creepy's going to be thinking, crap. This one's on to me. So I'm not going to mess with Marissa. I'm going to figure out what parent is staying away from here. So, yes, you can say something. Yes, you have to um, minimize the access and privacy or the situation you've got to monitor. And when Marissa got a little bit older... I did tell her about Cousin Creepy. Mm. She was 12. We had to go to a 4th of July family reunion back in Connecticut. And I said, if Cousin Creepy gets into a conversation with you, just tell him you got to go to the bathroom and come and get me. Because he's been creeping me out since 1974. (laughs) (laughs) When she was, and that's how I said it. So I, Mm -hmm. I always use humor. And there's a very specific method to my madness when I'm talking to adults or kids. You've got to put a little sugar with the medicine. So that's how Marissa and I, it's one of the reasons I think that we still have a nice dialogue is because humor, Marissa goes, oh, that's just mom. And she's, but she Mm -hmm. listened. So I was like, cousin creepy goes, just go, oh my God, I have to go to the bathroom. And then you come and get me. And she said, you've been getting an uh uh-oh feeling from cousin creepy. And I go, oh my God, since 1974. And that was it. But she was 12. I couldn't tell her that at four. So yeah, know That's what so you're funny. working with. Your kid at 12 is different. And if you've been communicating with your kid in a way that says, I'm open to what you've got to say to me and I'm paying attention to you and I'm empowering you with, with words like, boss my body and don't touch me like that. And tricky people break the rules. Yucky, inappropriate. And I'm doing it with that kind of tone. You're setting yourself up right now for great communication now and later on. Humor, humor, humor. Smile. Whenever you're teaching your kid this crap. You got a great smile. Thank you very much. Those beautiful teeth. Listeners, she's got beautiful teeth. Just the top. Just the top. The top is all that matters. That's like when I only do my hair in the front because you're like, that's what I see yeah. in them. Anyway. That's what my girlfriend used to say. If I'm walking away yeah. and the back of my hair looks bad, I'm walking away from you. I don't care what I look like. Yeah, that's 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 all never about the front and the top. The top. Front yeah. and top. Does that help, though? Yes. Thank um, you so much, Patty. And I do think that if I have a cousin creepy, that I owe it to my other relatives or cousins to go, I don't know about you, but Cousin Creepy creeps me out. Some of your relatives will say, you know what? You're right. Other relatives will say, you're crazy. Because some it, sometimes it will just fall on deaf ears. Because mm-hmm. that person oh, just yeah. can't go there for whatever reason. They don't want to believe There's Cousin of- Creepy. Yeah. So... Uh, also, a lot of people, I think, that have been traumatized don't want to go there. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, they, a, the, the people that have been hurt actually, uh, shockingly to me, they're the ones really with the deaf ear at times. Sometimes. the avoidance. Yeah. I'm not sometimes. a therapist, but anyway. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes that, that can be true. Sometimes it's like, oh, that's just Cousin Creepy, or he's so nice he wouldn't do anything, or you're yeah. overly paranoid. Right. Which tells me, great, now I got to watch Marissa and I got to watch your kid at 4th of July, mm. too, because you're not. Stay around, uh, a listener just asked, how do you s- still go to these family functions if the creepy person is there? That's why I live in L.A. and they live back yeah. east. That's great. Um, no, but sometimes, you know, you, you just have to go to a funeral, a wedding or a family reunion. And let me tell you, Cousin Creepy is the first person to show up and he's never been busted. And he and his brothers are creepy and they're going to be around. And sometimes I know they're going to be in my presence and I'm just doing my due diligence and I'm staying alert and going, I got this. Does it piss me off? Yeah, absolutely. It pisses me off. But I've also told everybody in my family and my family's like, oh, you know, cousin creepy. Cousin creepy. How'd you get into this? I became a mom, I think, is is really what happened. I used to be a preschool teacher. Um, and then Marissa was born. And be, be, before I was a preschool teacher, I actually did have a, a, a background in theater. Because I, um, well, th- anyway, that was about a million years ago. Um, but then I became a preschool teacher. And I had Marissa And when she was born, I thought, my goodness, how do I keep this kid safe? What do I do? How do I, you know? So um, because I had a background in education, I got a job with a national agency called Parents for Megan's Law. And they are a brilliant agency. um, And I got a job as their community outreach educator. And because I had a background in education and um, I ended up becoming trained and certified. Um, And that was a long time ago. Marissa was just a baby. Um, But that's how I got into it. And and I got into it because of personal experience and also because I had a whole lot of friends when, you know, when I was older and in my 20s and, and even in my 30s, um, I had a lot of friends who had shared with me their own personal experiences of their own Uncle Creepy or Cousin Yucky. And um, I thought, well, we got to turn this around. And and so I started to work for Parents for Megan's Law, and, and I loved that agency, Um But I decided that I wanted to start uh, my own um, education company that was specifically just about prevention education. Parents for Megan's Law does a lot of advocacy and they have therapists on staff and all of that. And I just wanted uh, to rein it in a little bit and really focus on prevention education. So I started Safely Ever After when Marissa was about two, three years old, I think. Mm. And um, in fact, my logo is a butterfly because that was Marissa's favorite thing was butterflies when she was really little. Um, But I started Safely Ever After 
because I felt like nobody's going into schools, nobody's doing parent groups and talking about tricky people who make you feel yucky. We're all being told, don't talk to strangers. And it's not the stranger. It's the stranger you know. And, And I just felt like we need to change this up a little bit. So I became a mom and I thought, if I were sitting in those chairs, how would I want to do it? How would I want to mm-hmm. hear it? I mean, so I thought, well, I want to hear it like how a parent talks. I'm going to need some humor because this is heavy stuff. Yeah. But I want practical solutions. I don't want to worry about damage control. I want the solution. So mm-hmm. that's how Safely Ever After came all about. So it's, uh, you know, it's all about Marissa. I only got the one kid and everything always ends up. Back to Marissa. Yeah. Patty, uh, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? At the bar. (laughs) (laughs) I had to lighten it up. I had to lighten it up because it was getting heavy. Um, I have a website. That's, thank you. I have a website, safelyeverafter.com. It's got a ton of prevention education up there. Um, I've written two children's books, which you can buy on Amazon. Super Duper Safety School and No Trespassing, This Is My Body. And I've given copies to Ellie. Um, you they can't have, have them. You can't have them. you got to sign They're, this, by the way. Say that again? you got to sign this for me. Oh, I'd be happy to. I need thank your you. autograph. Um There's a parent guide in the back of each one, but those are books you can read to your child. You can find me on Facebook. I have the personal page, the Patty Fitzgerald, and you can friend me personally and, and, uh, you know, I'll carry you. And I also have, (laughs) you'll hear a personal things. Like I told everybody on Facebook about my eyelashes. They are gorgeous. Thank you very much. Are they new? Yes, they are. You did you get a new fill or are they new new? They are brand new. I I, I keep wanting to do it. We'll have to have, do a podcast on lash yeah. extensions. Um, that maybe once. So on safely more. ever after though, yes. there's Patty Fitzgerald, and you can find me there. Mm-hmm. And I put stuff up on my personal page, but I also have a very specific page and a Twitter, a safely ever after group page. Which you can request to join. Oh, isn't that fun? I love it. I know. I'm There's drunk an atomic with power. Mama's podcast. There is Mama's. I don't know the name of it. It's so long. Anyway, go to the, our Facebook Atomic Moms, Facebook.com backslash Atomic Moms Podcast. There's like special invitation. We have a private group as well. And now you got to join a private know. party over there, and I'll join yours. You but join so, mine. so do we have to answer special questions yeah. to get into yours? No. I okay. just have to, I, you ask but to join private. and then I stalk your stake, your Facebook page Make and sure I go, real. does it look like a parent? Yeah. Does it look like a crazy person? Yeah. And you can tell a lot. And, you know. I also monitor it constantly because I want to make sure there are no mm-hmm. tricky people in there. Yeah. Um, and I'm very careful about what uh, people post. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm very cautious about your identities and stuff. I'm very protective. Oh, my God. I know. We need group. to do a whole yeah. other episode about identity. Yeah, and identity and social media. And, oh, my but God. But to find me, that's it. So uh, Safely Ever After on Facebook, on Twitter. I'm starting Instagram, but it's like it's enough already. And I know, but um, now, but Patty, you got the lashes now. I know, I know. So it is tried. And um, and so now I have to be all about Atomic Moms because I am 
I can't tell you how thrilled I am that you invited me, Atomic Mom, to be on your show and that you invited all your friends. So, well, grazie. thank you so much My for, pleasure. you know, protecting our children. We can do And it's this. so crazy. Like, even... Uh, in my living room right now, like to think of all the conversations that will be had, especially at my daughter's preschool, like on the playground between the children, which will be hilarious, but just like how far this can reach out. And then with listeners, like this could, what you do, what you've chosen to do with your life. Oh, oh my God. Just to think of like all the children that it's protected. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, God, you're going to make me leave. Thank you. Thank you. Our parents. Don't forget to check out the bonus after show episode where we continue this conversation with Patty Fitzgerald. She's going to answer more questions like what's the difference between secrets and surprises? We're going to talk about current events and she's going to tell us what to do if we think that our children might be hinting that something is off. Okay, everybody, until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. Mm-hmm.